Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Uncultured Pop Culture. Today is a special episode. It is all Arizona, 120 degrees of podcast entertainment. We have Jonathan Arthur Ashley here. He is the creator of Lillian Cosmo, which has some big things going on. But most importantly, he has survived life in Arizona, which is an even bigger feat these days. Um, but before we introduce Jonathan, let's go ahead and introduce my Robin to my Batman, Jesse. What's up, everybody? Always happy to be back with you, my friend, even though we speak all day, every day. These, these are special keep... experiences for us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you keep having me wear the Robin shorts, but, you know, I, I do because what I Because they were a me. gift, and you can't turn down gifts. <laughs> um, but, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend. Well, as you said, I'm, uh, I survived Arizona. I grew up in Arizona. I've been living in New York for uh, more years than I care to say, um, doing freelance art, film work, animation work, uh, theater work, uh, kind of whatever work will pay the bills. And usually if it requires drawing or art in some way, I'm happy about that. Um, I uh, work with a theater company called The Shelter, and uh, several years ago we created a, a play that I wrote. It was sort of a multimedia interactive play with animation and live actors, uh, kind of in the style of a radio drama from the 40s, but updated with some technology and stuff, uh, and that was called Lily and Cosmo Live, and it was a story that was just something that was sort of born out of sketchbooks and tinkering around with ideas. The original concept was something like if you took Peter Pan, but updated it to the radio era, the sort of golden age of radio, so that the Wendy was a, a little kid who, the equivalent of Wendy, I should say, is a little kid who listens to, to radio serials. Uh, and her particular interest is science fiction, sort of the science fiction of the day. Uh, and then ends up meeting a kid, a Cosmo kid is his name. He's kind of the Peter Pan equivalent who crash lands his little tiny tin wind up rocket ship in her house. And the two of them end up having crazy adventures throughout outer space. Uh, so it started as a play. Uh, it has since been fleshed out in animation. Uh, it's become a book from Simon & Schuster, which came out in 2019 that I wrote and illustrated. And uh, I'm currently wrapping up a pilot episode of a, a series for it. That's awesome. So, <laughs> um, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, that's... and I mean, that's essentially how it goes, man. I mean, we're, we're all inspired by different things. And I mean, who doesn't love Peter Pan? And if I ever meet that person, I, I don't want to. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's <laughs> great a groundwork to get started on. And I mean, that's, that's how it all goes. I mean, you get inspired, you tweak it to fit, you know, your creative outlet and you go from there. And I mean, so far from what I've read, I liked it. And I mean, I'm an adult. I mean, I, I know it's an all ages book, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of the times all ages books fall a little short with older gentlemen as myself or gentle women, but mm -hmm. Um, I actually enjoyed it, and you know that that's how it goes. I mean, fun fact um, for those of you that like Final Destination, that 
entire movie was based off of a unproduced script from the X-Files. So that oh. that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's all it goes. I, I yeah, you, you take something yeah. that didn't work for something and or something that did, like Peter Pan, and you turn it into your own. And so far, I've enjoyed what I've read. I'm really excited um, to see this come to live action, especially since I saw in the credits that there's a puppeteer uh, being credited. So oh, yeah. you have my attention. <laughs> Claymation, puppeteering. <laughs> I'm, I'm sold, man. <laughs> Just keep. Yeah, the idea is to do stuff in a completely sort of practical way and make it in a way where it would sort of trick you if you watch it. You would think you'd tuned into some late night channel and see seen something from 50 years ago that somehow you didn't know existed um so it's all going to kind of have this look like not only in the the color timing and and the texture of the film but also the effects and art direction are all kind of modeled on how things looked in movies from the distant past because uh, i have a big affection for that so uh the puppet the puppeteer is my good friend fergus walsh who's a very active puppeteer, does work on Broadway shows and Lincoln Center and very, very prolific and talented guy. And he just created this giant monster suit with a with an articulated mouth and an eye that would glow. And, you know, he, he just brought it to life on stage and, and it was just so much fun to work with. Yeah, him. I feel like like these are crafts that should still be very well known and unfortunately... I don't think it, they're as popular as they used to be, but hey, maybe they can bring it back. But hey, I'm excited. Where where can they watch the the pilot episode? Well, uh, I think the best I could give you now is to just say to uh, go to the website, and I can update you on that as soon as hey, I have that information works. for that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the website is lilyandcosmo.com. That's Cosmo with a K. And uh, it, it covers the book, it covers the, the play, it covers uh, pretty much every version of this there is, but it's where I'm going to be updating uh, all the progress on the film as I wrap it up and, you know, see where it's going to no, show. Yeah, I know you told me that you were working on it yesterday and so far what I've seen on the website, it looks good, man. I, I like the, the color combination. You, do you have some background in this? Because if you're the one doing it, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of do everything uh, myself, at least when it comes to the design and post-production part of it. Uh, I, I'm a graphic designer, illustrator, so I, it's a very sort of hands-on thing for me doing all this. The exception being the actual principal photography. That was very much a collaborative group effort with a lot of talented people helping out. Uh, but once it's, you know, in the, in the pre-production and post-production, it's completely me. So uh, for better or worse. No, not not worse at all, dude. <laughs> um, the same oh, same thanks. here. I mean, I other than a few classes in college and, you know, taking an easy credit in high school by taking web design. <laughs> um, I, I don't have any yeah. experience. And, you know, we when we started off with our website, it was on Squarespace and nothing against Squarespace. It's a wonderful service, but it wasn't really designed for what we wanted. Um, I feel like it's more mm -hmm. tailored to people that want to have like a store and other things like that. Yeah. So we switched over to WordPress 
And holy cow, I, I was completely overwhelmed. I spent 48 hours behind my laptop putting it all together from the ground up. And I mean, it starts with creativity that as all great things do. And the rest is like on the job training um, by, by trial and error and tears and sweat the whole nine yards. Uh, but I mean, I'm happy with it. Well, it's a great site. Oh yeah. It's great. It's a, it's a fun site to, to explore. Yeah, it, It's a, it, it's a trade in itself. Um, something I, I was not aware um, could be so overwhelming, but I think it's pretty awesome with all the options you get and, you know, it, yeah. it kind of comes down to, you know, if you want the creativity and the, the space to be able to do things how you want, you kind of have to put the work in behind it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, speaking yeah. of uh, men in suits, uh, welcome back to Lily and Cosmo, but I want to talk about um, some things going on in pop culture this week. Um, first thing, yeah. um, something I'm really excited about is Michael Keaton's Batman. So we we didn't get oh, yeah. the best reveal, but, you know, we got the iconic logo. It, it's probably one of my favorite bat suits in the Batman mm-hmm. films that I've seen. Um, but, you know, what, yeah. what, what do we think of the blood splatter? Are they trying to tell us something here? It seems like it. It kind of made me think of the Watchmen image with the, you know, the little right. happy face with the the blood splatter on it. Like it's it's seems to be a clue of some kind. Yeah, well, I know that Keaton is pretty tied up with. My theory is that he's going to be heavily, well, I would say somewhat heavily involved in Sony's Marvel universe with him making his appearance in the Morbius trailer. Um, so I'm thinking as, as cool as it's going to be to see Keaton's Batman, I don't think he's going to be the Batman we're going to have around for a while. So yeah, for sure. I, I, I really think the blood splatter is them getting us ready um, to tell us that he's probably going to end up dying. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. much as it'll that's, hurt. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I was, I was a kid when that, that movie came out and I was to say I was obsessed would be an understatement. I mean, I was counting down the days until June 23rd when Batman <laughs> would come out. And I would draw pictures all the time. I, f- I feel like I probably learned to draw by just drawing Batman and the Joker, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Oh. <laughs> and so I know that suit inside and out. And it looks to me, just from that little glimpse, like it's the Batman Returns suit. Yep. I can't be sure, but like the, there's a sort of little notch at the sternum that looks just like the right. you know, the first one, his suit kind of like a sculpted muscle suit. And then in the second one, they went for a little more geometric kind of abstract version. And uh, it looks to me like it's, you know, which would have been the latest that he was in right. as Batman. Hey, the, the Batman. Good eye. <laughs> because that's what I was looking for. I feel like everybody's, you know, everybody's eyes just goes to like the blood splatter and the symbol. And I'm over here looking at the corners of the image like doing my detective work, trying to see what else I can find. Um, but yeah, well, I paid a little too much attention when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> especially off. if you were trying to get all the the drawings right and everything. Yeah, I can totally get that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, either way, I'm excited. Um. I loved Michael Keaton as the Vulture, and I mean, let let's drop it right yeah. here. Um. I'll put this question out to you guys: Who's your favorite Batman or actor that's portrayed Batman? I should say. 
For me, it's between Michael Keaton and Adam West. Adam West is a because classic. I love those two. Yeah, I mean, I love the humor of the Adam West one. Um, I feel like there's a lot of that show in uh, in Lily and Cosmo, especially the sort of live action version, the sort of tongue in cheek, bright pop colors of it. Um, the 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 sort of unabashed silliness yeah. of it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that show, and and Adam West is hilarious. I don't think he's a Batman for this generation because I think people want different yeah. things from, from people, their superheroes. People have gotten a lot darker. Days. I don't think the pandemic helped either. So, why uh, don't no, think I people are ready for an Adam West Batman interpretation? Um, but we still get it if, yeah. in the comic books. So I know Batman's due, or he might already be coming out with that miniseries he's doing with scooby-doo which i'm excited about um th- those are the ones i oh, like yeah. going after like i picked up the crossover they did with fortnite but i mean mm-hmm. my wife and i play a lot of fortnite shamelessly so yeah. we were picking up the digital codes that's what we were really after yeah there was an animated batman they did i don't know a few years ago that was based on the Adam West series. And it was, I can't remember the name of it, but it was done with, you know, the drawings were all based on the 60s show. And even the soundtrack, the opening credits, everything. I I really enjoyed that one because it was like a throwback. Um, I'll have to look into that. I don't don't think I've seen it, but... I I saw it on the HBO Max as the, the DC section. That's where I kind of stumbled on it. I didn't even know about it, but there it was, and I, I really liked okay. I'll have it. to check it out. Yeah, I know that they've. I it, it honestly made HBO Max one of my favorite streaming services. Just being able to access that library, um, I feel, <laughs> I feel like they saw how good people reacted to Disney having all the yeah. old '90s Marvel shows, um, because every time I put on X Men or um, Spider Man. <laughs> Just hearing the intros takes me back to my childhood. It, oof, the nostalgia yep. will happily make me pay monthly for that. Jesse, you're not getting away from this one, dude. Uh, <laughs> what do you got thing. for us, man? What's your favorite Batman? Kevin Conroy. So, uh, oh, you know, okay. the animated yeah. series is always one of my favorites. So, I got to go Kevin Conroy. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed him coming back for that Arrowverse crossover, the infinite earths excuse me crossover that they did um a while back when we lost Stephen amell as the arrow unfortunately uh, i don't think i've been really into the dc shows on the cw since but i loved it um it was really awesome and he wasn't a really a good guy but definitely an iconic voice man that's a great choice but speaking about our sir Stephen Amell. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, I love everything this guy has done ever since I saw him in the Arrow day one. Been watched it religiously. Never missed an episode. Um, he's come a long way. He's he's done some pretty awesome stuff. And I know he brought in his cousin Robbie into the Arrow for a while when he was playing Firestorm, and then they ended up doing the. Code 8 short film. I don't know if you guys ever caught that on YouTube. That's where I saw it. 
I haven't. Um, you should definitely out. check it out. I don't know if you've seen the actual feature film. So to follow the story of of Code Eight, um, it's essentially started off as a short film. People loved it. So the creator or the director, I should say, of the short film started a Kickstarter and he actually got it funded. Um, I want to say they raised about two or two and a half million dollars to get this movie going. So they turned it into a feature film and I believe it had a limited release in theaters, which I mean, I'm, it garnered attention, but this movie really blew up when it landed on Netflix. So to kind of paint you the the story of this it's it's very um civil war for marvel it's it's essentially a world full of people with superpowers or abilities if you will and they're forced to essentially register just to keep track of them and you know keep track of their abilities they categorize them to see you know what threat level they are and they're basically treated like lower class citizens you know, they they bum for work. They have to hide their abilities to be able to get work. And this, uh, the film followed uh, Robbie Amell is the main character. And his mother is sick. Um, she has, I'm not really sure what's going on with her, but she has a an illness and it's basically triggering her abilities and making her lose control of them. And they have like, contractors that essentially hire them to use their abilities to to do work like he can control electricity so they hire him to do electric work which is illegal but they have like this police force that is made up of terminators you can call them you know a bunch of t-800s running around and they essentially hunt them down and arrest them and you know it's a lot of prejudice and corrupt police work uh, police force, I should say, and the movie was badass. Um, Stephen Amell was great in it. I loved Robbie Amell. Um, I loved him in The Babysitter too, even though he plays this like really weird, hyped up character. I just love everything he can do. Um, Upload. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Amazon. It was a great series for him. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. Did you ever get to check it out, Jesse? I saw the short film on YouTube, which was great. I just never got around to the feature film. Ah, so I still need to check that one out. Well, you guys should definitely check it out because they're getting a sequel. Um, it, it did so well that now, you know, they have their fan base and the director's coming back to do a sequel. This one's going to be a little bit different. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but Robbie Amell is still going, going to be involved, but... Um, it is going to follow a different character, but I'm super excited about this. Um, it, it's definitely an underrated movie. Um, something like the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't really give it the credit it should, but it's like, what do you call them? The cult classics. You know, it, it, it... a lot of my favorite movies are the ones that are uh, either completely ignored or just uh, totally uh, abused exactly thank so. you you know what we're gonna get along just fine and with that we're gonna go ahead and promote velocipaster once again because that is one of the uh, greatest films <laughs> to ever <yeah>. be <laughs> to ever be made and i will fight anybody that says otherwise <laughs> you should definitely check it out it is on amazon it has four and a half stars for the from all the loyal fans that have garnered and continue to grow 
Um, we, nice. we, we, we support the Velocipaster. Um, I know Jesse hates the film. I don't even he know if you've actually seen it. Not, there's, there's no we there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great title. It's one know, of the best titles. And, I've and I push this time. film all the time because it is a bad movie. So I, I love bad movies when they have a good story behind them. Yeah. So, and I don't mean the plot before you jump on me, Jesse, put the pitchfork away. <laughs> I mean, the story of why the film is what it is. So Brendan Steer, who is the creator and director of Velocipaster, uh, when he was in film school, he created Velocipaster as a project. And this film is basically like an homage to George Romero. So he doesn't use anything other than practical effects. And he sacrifices parts of this film just to stay true to like his idol. Because the best scene is in, in the movie is in the beginning when there's a car on fire because his, his parents die in a car explosion, which they don't explain why it happened, but they just <laughs> they just do. And instead of like adding CGI like flames, they just put a caption that says car on fire. And that's genius <laughs> because you can't even be mad at that. It just makes you laugh and it makes you enjoy this movie more. And yeah. I mean, he's fighting ninjas that are selling cocaine for jesus i mean what more do you need in a movie like this should yeah netflix jump on this man throw this make this a series give me as many sharknados as there is because i love those two i don't care what people say uh water <laughs> mother nature and sharks are scary it's the perfect combination but <laughs> to keep a tradition of Speaking of ridiculous nonsense, things that should not exist. Uh, Chicken Nugget, um, shaped as an Among Us character, sold for $100,000. Um, to be correct, it, it was like $99,970. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really 100000 but, you know, who cares? 20 bucks. Um, what is wrong with the world? Well, cause then there's shipping, true. So yeah. Like, <laughs> um, however much it costs to ship a chicken nugget in a baggie. Um, I'd pay $20 in shipping for a hundred thousand dollar investment. Yeah. I guess you have to insure it and all that stuff. Does it come with sauce? Who knows that, that probably adds weight to the package, but based on the picture that I saw, it didn't look like anything else came included. It was just a chicken nugget in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. That that's <laughs> That's what I see. And honestly, this this makes me worried about where we stand as as a people. Um, <laughs> um, well, my question is, what do you do with it? I mean, it's a perishable. Exactly. Thing. That's what we talked about. You, like, eat it. I, you could freeze it. But I mean, I don't know. It's not going to last. Well, well the one I mean, thing it has going for it, and I think we talked about this yesterday, is that it is a McDonald's chicken nugget. So it it's processed to hell so maybe it does have that's a shelf true. life yeah. of like let's say 20 years just like those walmart that's ice true. cream sandwiches that people were trying to melt a few, a few years ago um yeah, those chicken nuggets are <laughs> immortal because uh i've i've seen when my kids clean their room sometimes and there'll be like a stray chicken nugget from who knows when <laughs> and it looks exactly the same <laughs> and 
I don't want to say I would taste test it, but you know, my kids might be wild enough to try it sometime. Well, I don't, I don't want to get too graphic, but one time I ate a 20 piece by myself. And when I took a crap after the chicken nuggets were still in the same condition as they went in. So are you swallowing them or I don't know, man, I was young. <laughs> I was hungry. Who, I don't know. Maybe I forgot to chew that one. Don't, don't judge me. <laughs> sometimes you dip it in sauce and if you get too much sauce on one nugget you just eat the whole thing you know i don't have to impress anybody i'm married (laughs) but you know i could think of a lot of things to do with a hundred thousand dollars but i will say this before i start judging this person he wasn't alone because there was 200 bidders on this how high all 200 of these bidders went i mean i would have probably dropped out after like 20 bucks but 200 people were interested it really it started at 99 cents. <laughs> I I don't even think that um, Polizna or Polizna, I don't know if I'm calling this seller's username right. I don't think that this person expected to walk out with $100,000 after this. I don't think they expected to walk out with $5. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I feel like it probably started as a joke and now they can probably retire for, I'd say like a year. If I had $100,000, I'd probably start spending money very stupidly but um i'm feeling a light bulb over my head oh yeah uh where i you know but, uh you could you could come up with something right to just you know a food that looks like something oh we were talking about and, this yesterday yeah. too where it's like it's not that hard to kind of mince up a chicken and then shape it the way you want bread it i was like i'll start selling yeah. chicken nuggets like, all i need to do is sell one a year and i'm set yeah, if we yeah. mass produce these and we're selling them at like five bucks a pop, I mean, I feel like we we could definitely uh, have something going here. Um, but hell, um, I mean, if anybody's up for it, just grab a tortilla, slam my face up against it and say like you see Jesus's face on it or something. And we'll go 50 50. I don't know. There, There's ideas out there. Um, but I would do a lot of things for a hundred thousand dollars but with that <laughs> i yeah. i do have limits I, I don't want people to think i'm gonna like prostitute myself for anything um i would do a lot okay. of legal things for a hundred thousand dollars um but with that let's go ahead and talk about our last topic of the week in honor of e3 um we do have some games coming out in june some big ones um, I don't know how, how big of a gamer you are, Jonathan. It seems like you're a pretty busy dude, but do you ever have time to... Well, I gotta confess, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a recovering game <laughs> so, Hey, man, we've all played um, well. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little out of touch with it because around the time of, I want to say it was Uncharted 3, uh, I played my, my PlayStation to oh. death, and it broke. I got so into the multiplayer that um, I killed my PlayStation and I decided maybe that was a sign. (laughs) I haven't really been back. I still kind of keep up with what's coming out just because I I like seeing the character designs and concept art and worlds and stuff, but I haven't actually played a proper video game in in some years. So, you know, with... And I'm with you on that one. Uncharted 3 was a stupid good game and my wife is is one that got a little late into gaming and she just played the uncharted games i think last year um, during the pandemic i've been kind of 
um, holding her hand through some of my favorite games. Um, she played the entire Uncharted series. Um, she played the newer um, Tomb Raider games, which she really loved. Um, she played Zero Dawn. Um, I just put her through the entire Telltale series of The Walking Dead because we, we love the show. Uh, well, we, we love the show up to a point. Uh, we still watch it out of respect, but um, we're, yeah. we're also... Um, I'm in about two years into reading comics. I picked up comics a little later, but um, I had read The Walking Dead before, and we picked up the... They're doing the deluxe edition right now where they basically added color to all the issues, and they're re-releasing all of them, um, like, one a week. So she's rereading them, and she played all the Telltale series games, and she's going through the Mass Effect trilogy right now. She's on Mass Effect 3, and... I'm with you, man. Um, that and The Last of Us multiplayer was like low key addicting, and I don't think it got enough recognition, to be honest. With with how good I it didn't was. play that one. I remember it coming out. It was very uh, very exciting looking. <laughs> that was you know right at sort of the getting the sense I I needed to cut. Back. No, yeah, I mean a part of you died. I'm sure with that console, and and I'm sure you had to make a decision. <laughs> Do you want to put the yeah. needle back in your arm or do you want to, do you want to move on? Um, yeah. But no, I mean, and you know, something that even back then when Uncharted 3 was coming out, I don't feel like, you know, Let's Play and like play alongs on YouTube and Twitch and all that were as big as they are now because what I really like about now compared to when I used to, you know, have the time to play all these games was that, you know, now you can go on Twitch or YouTube and watch somebody else play the games you don't want to have to deal with, which it's like the yeah. online gaming and like streaming community has like, it's grown like stupidly. So, I mean, it's awesome because yeah, there's a lot of games that I would rather watch somebody else play just so I can like get absorb the story without having to like actually like go through it myself. Um, but for you, Jesse, um, this seems like a pretty big month for you because I see a lot of anime-ish games. Um, I don't know if you had time to check out the list of what's coming out. There's just so many games right now coming out for the rest of the year that it's insane to try to keep up with everything. I mean, with that new Dragon Quest announcement, I was already, like, my mind was blown right there. That's, Dragon Quest is one of my favorite series. It's probably my favorite RPG series of all time. Uh, I spent so many hours in Dragon Quest XI, and for them to be working on a new one, super excited. Uh, and then we have games like Monster Hunter Stories that's about to release here on the 9th, I believe. Uh, and it's not like Monster Hunter. It's a whole other like, RPG aspect. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. You have Mario Golf, uh, which yes. looks like it's going to be insane. <laughs> so super stoked. Uh, right now, uh, we're hooked on Knockout City, uh, which is a dodgeball game that you can play with your friends, uh, which is right now taking kind of, kind of taking over our lives a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> Competitive dodgeball video games, like it cracks me up because, like, I love NBA 2K and I love playing Madden, but like, do you ever have that moment where you just like the screen goes black and like you get a glimpse of yourself? And I just see, like, my Baymax body sweating, sitting on the couch from playing Madden. And, like, I just feel so pathetic that I have to play sports on TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. 
like what happened to me <laughs> yeah or like the, the skating the, the yeah. skateboarding games yeah. where it's very fun and then you kind of think like yeah but i if i ever tried any of this i'd be in traction if, right. if i'm lucky yeah you know <laughs> just i see the people doing it out and no one's ever that good like to be honest I, I there's so many places you walk past here in Brooklyn where the the teen skaters hang out and do their tricks and they never really pull them off at least when I'm looking um so I, I guess there's something to those games where it's like we get to be a little bit it, it's not like a fantasy game or a sci-fi game where it's completely removed from reality but there's those ones that are kind of almost like reality but where you get to just be a little bit better than you are for sure yeah like you get to experience like the professional lifestyle and like actually being at a professional level of something that you like but you can't do because obviously i can't pursue an nfl career or an nba career even now at my age i'm already at the age they (laughs) retire and i mean my body feels 84 so I definitely I don't want to shoot my own horn or anything, but I'm pretty good at dodgeball. So can't wait to take my kids out there, and I'm gonna get those red balls that you can still feel from high school on your face. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh yeah, definitely gonna be picking some of those up with the kids. Oh, dude. Oh, we'll make a we'll make a day of it. I'll, I'll go down there, and we can just torture your children. I'm game. But. You know, some yeah. some of the bigger ones that are coming out, um, you know, shamefully, I still haven't played the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, it just seems like such a big commitment to take that game on. And, you know, like Jesse said, you know, it's, it's like you're always chasing the white unicorn um, with video games these days because, yeah, there's, there's just too many. And, you know, unfortunately, we become adults and with with being an adult comes nothing but responsibility as, as uncle Ben said with his last dying breath to Peter Parker. (laughs) Um, but I think this month, if I was to pick anything up, we definitely have to pick up Mario golf because Jesse and I had a very brief, but fun stint on grand theft auto five, uh, playing golf. Um, I, I don't know why that's the thing that really caught our attention out of all the things you can do on that game, but the golf was fun. And I love Mario always makes all these stupid activities just even better. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I mean, that that's a diehard nostalgia right there. Um, definitely have to play that. And the only other one I would consider playing just because it's going to be free on day one on Xbox is Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. And nothing against the <laughs> the developers. I'm not playing it just because it's free. It looks cool, but it doesn't look like something that I would be dying to play, you know, day one. Just not something that vibes with my style because it seems like it's going to be a big commitment as well. But it looks cool. It looks dark. And I pay monthly for the Xbox Pass. They're being really awesome about giving us games on day one. Um, they dropped Outriders on day one, which is an awesome video game. Um, but Jesse, I do have a question about Dragon Quest before we move on from this topic. So sure. this, you're the expert, and I am curious. Um, I saw somebody mention that 
they're they seem like they're going very dark with this new one which i mean the trailer the teaser looked awesome they didn't really show much but yeah i mean it looked like something out of the, the fucking gates of mordor um mm-hmm. but so tell us um do, do you get that same vibe like like they're going on a, to a next level of darkness with this game because i really don't know anything about it the thing is with the, with the dragon quest games every game pretty much takes place after like a demon lord or something has taken over uh and like he he's conquering the world or you know there's some sort of destruction gonna happen um how it's gonna get darker i mean how do you get darker than a demon lord you know what i mean so (laughs) (laughs) it's i can see it like i can see them actually putting it making it a little bit more grittier and stuff like that but the, all the Dragon Quest stories have always had like a really good story. They they get you involved with the characters. Um, it did kind of like fall out a little bit sometimes. They actually just released a Dragon Quest anime not too long ago, so it's a lot of the things are like tying together. Uh, and then when you have things like Dragon Quest Builder, even that has a similar type of story where you're, you know it's demons have taken over. And you got to do things to find ways to basically heal the world and get rid of these demons. You fight against zombies. You fight against like these dead arc priests and uh, all kinds of crazy shit, man. So as to how it can get darker, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I mean, they've already placed us in places like volcanoes and there's dragons and shit like that. So, I mean, I hope it, it gets a little bit more gritty. That'd be cool. I, I'd be super sold. Um, but I feel like no matter what they end up doing with this next one, it's going to have a solid story. Even if it's a game that you've never played. It's funny because just yesterday, my roommate came up to me. He's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of this game called like Dragon Quest, but (laughs) it was on sale for like 20 bucks yesterday. So I bought it for my PlayStation and I'm hooked. I was like, dude, come on. (laughs) So it's, it's funny. It's, it's such a great game for beginners and for anyone that's been a veteran to gaming um it's it's such a good rpg i always highly highly recommend it to anyone that wants to give it a shot right on is it still twenty dollars uh he just got it yesterday so i'm assuming he probably did Uh, it must be part of that days of play sale um they have some pretty awesome stuff on there actually a lot of it i already own um sadly that's kind of pathetic, but <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't own it, um, yeah, be sure to check it out. It's it's one of the biggest sales I think they do in the year. Um, they're kind of trying to do their own little gaming event, and I know after E three, um, Xbox and PlayStation tends to do a sale on the previous titles of whatever developer or if it's a game series that had a, a new entry announced or something like that, they'll do a sale on that. So. Be sure to check it out. Um, but let's go back to the nitty gritty, talking about some Lillian Cosmo. So, you know, something that, like I said, you know, it really resonated with me. And and something I really enjoy about all ages books is when I can be entertained because I'm not a parent. So, you know, if I pick up an all ages book, I, I don't have a responsibility or a duty to keep like a younger child entertained, you know, as as other parents do. Yeah. So um, that's something that that I I read, actually, that some people enjoyed about Lillian Cosmo was that is this was like a book that they could read to their children and they were actually excited to go to the next chapter. 
So, you know, is, is that something that, that you had in mind or is it something that just kind of blossomed as you created the story? That's definitely what I was going for. And when I started thinking it up, you know, as a play and whatever other versions it started to become, I wasn't categorizing it as a kid's story, even though it's mm -hmm. about kids. Uh, I was, I basically wanted to make the story that I would want to enjoy, you know, at, at my age. Um, so, you know, I love a lot of the, the, I still as an adult love a lot of the stuff I loved as a kid. Um, so I just kind of wanted to create something with that feel that could kind of make an adult feel nostalgic for being a kid and having a certain type of make-believe play. Um, so it's full of just a lot of references that the target, the, the official target age range wouldn't probably get. Um, you know, there's a lot of Flash Gordon in there. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars in there. There's, there's one picture, I forget what page it is, uh, where Cosmo Kid is pinned up against a wall and, uh, one of these little girls who has him as a captive is, is trying to pin a, a button on his shirt. And I just decided, you know, when, when I'm having to crank out so many drawings so quickly, sometimes you find something to just kind of make it fun. So I was like, I'm going to recreate the shot from Alien 3. <laughs> that's even in the trailer where Sigourney Weaver is pinned up against the wall and the alien is about to bite her and opens its mouth. And then the little mini mouth right. comes out of the big mouth. I just opened up that image and modeled the, the drawing on that. Like no, no kid is going to pick that up, but maybe a grown up sci-fi fan who knows that kind of stuff is going to pick that up. So there's, it's just full of that kind of thing that kind of amuses me as I'm doing it and maybe would amuse readers, adult readers as well. Um, so it's kind of for everybody, I think. And same is true of, of the play. I, I mean, we would put it on mostly uh, at night. Um, so usually our audiences for the play were grown-up audiences other than we would do weekend matinees mm -hmm. where there would be kids. But, you know, it's kind of playing at a level like the, the sense of humor is definitely aimed a little more for adults in the play. Um, so kind of turning it into a kid's book was more just, you know, if you're going to get a publisher involved, <laughs> they kind of want to market, you know, they want to know what shelf right. it's going to be sold on. And to say, yeah, it's a kid's book, but for grownups and then, you know, Barnes and Nobles gets a crate of it. And they're like, I don't know where to stick this. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of leaned more into the kid category for the sake of the book, but um, I don't think that in general that is how I would want it to be categorized. Uh, I, it's certainly kid friendly, and I and I know the kids who've read it have said they really like it, and that makes me feel great. Um, but the way I've always kind of pitched it, whether as a book or play or whatever, was like, what if Wes Anderson made a space adventure? Oh, for kids? I love that. That's um, a perfect description. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, got that that kind of aesthetic and, and that kind of nostalgic feel to it. Um, so, yeah, anybody who reads it, like I get equally flattered and, and happy to hear if grownups loved it or if kids loved it or above all, if if they read it together and had a lot of fun. Like that's the ideal way that somebody could enjoy it. Right. No, I love that. And, you know, 
I feel like the all ages genre um, always gets kind of misconstrued as a child's or children's, you know, genre. And I don't think that's that's really the case. You know, I, I feel like all ages, you know, it means exactly that it can be interpreted differently by anybody of any age. And that's honestly, yeah. I feel like one of the hardest genres to write with, because, you know, like you said, you're trying to tell your story and you're still having to jump these hurdles to kind of fit into a category so that you can appeal to an audience, you know? So, I mean, kudos to you, dude, because it's, it's not an easy thing to do and you, you pulled it off. I mean, it, it's a great book and, you know, to me, um, I love Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. So like how you implement all these things from, you know, my childhood and, you know, myself growing up, it, it, it's really what keeps me yeah. interested because I, I connect with it. And that's really what you want to do at the end of the day. And, you know, to me, like these two kids, something I read online when, when I was looking into it is they basically said it's like if Han Solo and Princess Leia were children, and I love that. <laughs> it's absolutely great. I think that their banter is a little like that. Like they're not sweetly best friends, you know. They they kind of uh, bicker a fair amount until they kind of learn to get along and work together. But you know, I'm a big fan of like the Empire Strikes Back dynamic of Han and Leia, where they're always kind of bickering and fighting, and and meanwhile, kind of getting closer. Right. And then I think. Return of the Jedi Han and Leia is a little bland, you know. I love the movie, but you know, their their relationship is a little bit uh safe and not that exciting. Uh it's that kind of um or really any buddy comedy, like if it's lethal weapon or you know, whatever, you don't just watch them walking around going, Hey, I'll get you a lemonade and you know, maybe we could you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not best friends. They're often kind of almost like uh, antagonists to each other, but who little by little kind of learn to remove some of the friction and be able to work together. So I, I kind of wanted that dynamic with. No, them. yeah, that's that's the best description. I mean, Lethal Weapon is is the way to go. You know, it's it's basically Riggs pissing Myrtle off, but at the end of the day, they love <laughs> each other. <laughs> it's like they pull each yeah. other's strings because they've known each other and like so long, and they've gone through so much shit together that. You know, they, they basically are like an old married couple. And man, yeah. that's one of the greatest movies that I've ever seen, to be honest. Uh, my favorite Mal Gibson good... film by far. And the line, go spit, is <laughs> classic. <laughs> one of the the best ways to not cuss while cussing. <laughs> is that on the network edit or the, the, the real? It's movie? on the network edit. Yeah. yeah, I love those. I, that's a thing that, like today's generation probably won't even know that existed, <laughs> but you know, just the things they would put in the actors' mouths that make absolutely no sense. Yeah. Did you ever check out the series, the uh, Lethal what, Weapon series? series? No, like a TV series. Yeah. I didn't even know um, there was one. Am I getting that? Am I getting that mixed up, Jesse? Wasn't it a Lethal Weapon series that we saw that was one of the Wayans brothers? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Um, it was it was good, but a lot of shit happened uh, internally, so it ended up 
unfortunately getting canceled, I think after season two. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. So let me pull up some info because I'm not too familiar with the with the cast in this. So yeah, it was based on on basically on the first film, you know, where um, Riggs and Murtaugh kind of run into each other's path and um, they, they kind of updated it and they, they did change a few things. Um, so the actor that played Martin Riggs was Clay Crawford and what they mean by internal <laughs> um, spats was I believe he got into an altercation with one of the writers I want to say I believe there was some sort of words exchange or an altercation and they said that he was pretty difficult to work with which you know the outside looking in I mean anybody can say anything so I I really don't (laughs) don't know what happened but that's that's really what caused the series demise but man it, it was a really good show um I definitely recommend watching it even though you know it, it's gone <laughs> you're not gonna get your your questions answered but it'll be yeah exactly time. like swamp thing you know i i really liked it and they pulled the plug and most recently jupiter's legacy even if you look past the teen drama aspect of it i enjoyed it and they'll leave you on i was the- about to tell you that netflix pissed me off earlier today because they sent me an email like hey don't forget to finish Jupiter's Legacy. I was like, shut up, you canceled it. You recommend it to me. Uh, I was kind of heartbroken when I found out that HBO's Watchmen was not going to go oh, on yeah. because I that, that was season. something else. It's HBO is so good at making TV shows. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, despite what people say about Game of Thrones, I, I'm one of the few that was not angry about the last season or the ending. Um, I kind of called it. We we did a bracket <laughs> um, to see what was going to kind of guess what was going to happen at the end. And I was pretty spot on with what I, ex- what I expected to happen. And for those of you that didn't see Daenerys as a villain, you were fools. It, it was always there. <laughs> um, to me, you know, it's it's like I get that, like, you know, they hyped up the White Walkers and. Like, I get it. I was kind of underwhelmed by, you know, the the final battle that kind of, you know, that defeated them because they spent so much time trying to, you know, keep your attention on them. But, you know, looking back at it after you see all these things that Daenerys was doing, and if you take the White Walkers out of the equation, she was the villain. And, I mean... As unhappy as I was, like, I think that's borderline genius because they fooled everybody and they kept us so focused on something that we didn't see what was happening in the background with, you know, Daenerys slowly, you know, losing control and her decisions and the reasons that she would make her decisions were never really for, like, the good of people. She always had something to gain from it. So when it happened at the end, I was like, oh, it fucking makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah. definitely um, with the whole Jon Snow killing her, I, I think that was just a matter of lack of options because I know that George Martin gave them the true ending and I don't think that they were allowed to use it. So I, I'm thinking it was just probably them having their hands tied as to how the series should have really ended. But I don't know. 
I, I don't I don't write for Hollywood, so George R. R. Martin, is he making there's there's a one book left, right? And he just hasn't finished it. Do you is there any update on whether that's ever gonna come out? Because I I want that I want I'd love to see his Yeah, take you know, on, um you know, all all people ever get from him is that he's working on it, but I <laughs> Not to be morbid or anything, but I'm honestly afraid that one day they're just going to announce that the poor dude passed away and he's never going to finish it. Like, that's that's how long it's taking. Like, it, it's a legitimate fear about how long it's taking yeah. him to put this last novel out. You just gave me some sadness yeah. with Berserk, man. Oh, true. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> um, I, I cannot pronounce his name, but yes, the creator of Berserk passed away. So, um that's definitely never good news to hear. Um, so rest in peace, um, Mr. Berserk creator. Um, I'm not good with names, so I apologize <laughs> that I will not try to pronounce it and insult you. <laughs> and now, as far as I know with Game of Thrones, I think there are two books that are left. Um, we were supposed to get okay. The Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring, if I remember right. Oh, gotcha. Well, shit. He needs to get on it because he he's taking on so much. I mean, I think he's developing a new series for HBO, I want to say. I don't remember if it was HBO or Amazon. And he's involved, I believe, with the spinoff series and the play that's being worked to the best of my understanding. So he's taking on a lot. And I feel like his focus should definitely be on his book. But speaking of books, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anything else you would like to tell us about Lillian Cosmo, Jonathan? Um, what What do you want the fans, you know, to take from this? And you know, what What do you want them to walk away with when they read Lillian Cosmo? I hope it makes you smile. Um, and if you haven't read it, uh, I hope you check it out because. Um, you might like it. And uh, it was made with a lot of love and fun. So if you can have some fun reading it and looking at the pictures, then that's exactly what I'm going for. And as far as the the short film slash pilot, um, please stay tuned and um, I'll let you know where it's going. Um, I, my goal is probably to just hit the film circuit with it. There's a lot of children's film festivals and sci-fi mm -hmm. film festivals and you know see if i can start pitching it and and taking it further because there's many 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 adventures i've sort of sketched out and have yet to be uh executed for these kids um so if you go to liliancosmo.com uh that's cosmo with a k uh then you'll be able to keep track of the book the the series everything so um please check it out if you haven't already thanks for giving me a chance to uh, oh no to man it's it. our pleasure wow. honestly um i'm not a big book reader so the thing i liked about your book also before um, we unplug here is you know it, it kind of gives you a sweet middle ground almost of what you get from a graphic novel and the novel like a, a, par a paragraph book i should say i don't know what to call it um because to me, reading like a like a paragraph novel, it it seems almost exhausting. I'm, I'm not a big reader as far as that. That's why I prefer comic books and graphic novels because it's first I'm a slow reader, 
and two, you know, it, it, yeah. As am I. I am very. <laughs> so this was like really <laughs> sweet middle ground. It was a very like easy, peaceful read. And yeah, I mean, it, it 100% made me smile. Like just talking about, you know, all the things that you implemented that reminded me of my like childhood and all the things that I grew up watching and all that. So yeah, definitely pick it up. Um, if you want something that's feel good, which we definitely need, these last two years have been rough. Um, <laughs> we definitely need something that makes us feel good. I definitely recommend it. You can find it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Um, where else can they pick up the book? Uh, let's see. IndieBound has it. Uh, IndieBound site. I think Bookshop, Books a Million. Kind of just all the major booksellers probably have it or would be able to order yeah. it. It's in digital as well as hardback and paperback. I'm a fan of the hardbound myself, um, but that's just because I like the uh, I like the right. feel of it. But no, I'm the same fans. way. I mean, I spend enough time behind a computer screen with my day job and what we do here at Geek Network. So um, the last thing I want to do is, <laughs> is stand behind or sit behind another screen and try to read something. So uh, I'm definitely with you there. Yeah. Um, nothing like a physical copy, but. If that's your role, don't don't feel alarmed. Go ahead and pick up a digital copy. Um, I know they have them on Amazon for sure, but just Google Lillian Cosmo in outer space and you'll find it. It's the top searches. So, yep. um, Jesse, any final words, my friend? Keep up the awesome work, Jonathan. Uh, thank you so much for coming to join us. It's been a blast uh, getting to know you. So hopefully, you know, um, once the, the pilot and everything is going to be coming out, um, we can talk about that again. Yeah, I'd love right. to. This was super 100%. fun, guys. Thank yeah, you. we didn't talk enough about the horrors of Arizona, so we'll we'll definitely have to bring you back <laughs> around for for another go for the horror episode. Oh, uh, it's so long to get over it, <laughs> but I'll have to scrub it all back up again. It'll no, be I love a Arizona. therapy session. <laughs> New York's got it. Yeah, I mean, things. yeah, you either battle Mother Nature or you battle the people. I mean, everybody has something. But you know, with that being said, Jonathan, it was truly a pleasure to finally get to speak with you with words rather than exchanging a plethora of emails. Uh, we definitely hope to have you back, my friend. We wish you the best of luck with the film and the book as well. I mean, regardless of it coming out in 2019, copies are available. People keep buying them, so they keep printing them. Um, but we will be definitely be talking yeah. soon. Um, updates on Geek Network as to what you can expect. Uh, we do have a couple of interviews coming out. Um, next week as well as jonathan's which you could find on wednesday at noon pacific standard time and you can find our coverage of e3 that will be coming up um, we will be on the media virtual floor if you haven't registered already be sure to do that at the e3 website and other than that remember to geek responsibly and visit us at geek-network.com but thank you everybody have a good day Bye, everyone. All right. See ya.